Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by Raw Raw Consulting and the Raw Raw Spirit Team Mentorship. Hey, it's Lauren here. I'm an expert in time management, content creation, and mindset work. My day job is working with overwhelmed or unmotivated business owners or service providers who want to get organized and motivated and review their current business practices so that they can kick start their journey to further success. You know, the average person with an average life lives 27,350 days. And even though we know that we just shape shift into something different after our time is done here, I believe that making use of your time and living the life of your dreams, which is a life of flow and bliss, is so incredibly important. And I want to help you do that. I can help you through business and life challenges. I can help you to, you know, change your mindset, to create time for self-care, to look at your dreams and to create a roadmap to help you get there. Also through the Raw Raw Spirit team, I offer group mentoring as well. So if one-on-one is not your thing, you're interested in more of a group scenario, then that would definitely be an option for you. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also head to my website at rawrawconsulting.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook at any time to see whether or not working together is uh, maybe a good fit for both of us. All right, time for the episode. Lauren Grace here, and welcome to The Afterlight. Catherine Marty is my guest today, and she's a trauma therapist and sound healer and owner of Dare to Change Therapies. Catherine has been a singer songwriter for most of her life, and she is now working in the therapeutic world when she turned to sound healing to help her own healing journey and become a sound healer. Infusing her performances with the trauma-informed lens and ecotherapy, Catherine has created two programs, Sound Medicine Hikes, which is guided forest bathing, meditation, and sound healing on different hiking trails, and Mother Earth Sound Medicine, which is done in a studio and is a fusion of sound healing, plant music, and a meditation through nature, essentially indoor forest bathing. Catherine is joining me today to talk about all things sound healing, what is forest bathing, and guess what? Plants actually sing and make music, and we're going to hear from them soon. So Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So before we kick things off, I know that you have uh, offered to do a guided meditation for me and for our listener at home. So Why don't we start off with that, and then we'll find out all about how your spiritual journey began, how sound healing helped you work through traumas, whether or not sound healing works for everybody, and what plant music actually sounds like. So can you take us through through, uh, the next phase, I guess, this meditation? Perfect. So just a couple of uh, pointers. Definitely um, don't listen to this while you're driving because it can actually bring on quite a lot of relaxation so um, super important that you either skip forward or um, maybe press pause on this one so uh, if you can just find a nice quiet spot um, you might want to sit up you might want to lie down um, if you've got a blanket that's helpful as well generally when you do experience sound healing your temperature is going to drop um, and sometimes even if you really want to get into it an eye covering is good as well as you'll drop even further into the meditation and so I'm going to take you, um, going to be talking you through lots of different natural landscapes, as well as taking you through lots of different instruments and on a bit of a journey. And just to connect you in with nature as you're getting into your spot. And that we actually have the bird of paradise behind me, who's going to be singing some songs for you today as well. So connecting in with your breath and noticing how it feels as it goes in through your nostrils and then out through your mouth. And as it goes in and making your belly rise and you breathe in deeply and noticing how it feels 
as you let go with every exhale. Feeling your muscles soften as you drop into your practice today. Knowing that you're supported, you're held. forest you've ever seen. There's so many different shades of green. And the big tall strong trees with their brown bark, their grey bark. You reach out and you touch the trees and you can feel on your fingertips all of the ripples and bumps and as you take each step forward your bare feet connect with the damp earth below you and each step connects you deeper and deeper with Mother Earth. And as you keep going on this slow walk, You can feel that breeze breaking against your skin. And you take a deep breath in and you can smell that incredible smell of the forest just after the rain. systems that go for kilometers and they're all talking to each other they're all supporting each other if one tree doesn't have enough water or sugar the other trees will send more water and sugar to that tree if one doesn't have enough light they will shift their canopy so that tree gets enough light and that's how this community of trees support each other As you walk through this community of trees and listen to their song, you know that you're being welcomed into that community, you're being supported by that community too. So spend some time 
in this community of trees, in this beautiful forest, as the sunlight dapples through the trees and everything you can hear and smell. And as your bare feet walk on this damp earth, over the silky moss and the dry leaves that crunch under your feet, knowing that you're welcome into this community. So spend some time here, play in the forest, run, jump, sing, or do whatever you want to do to connect with this natural space.
you start to come up towards the clearing now, and as you walk through these trees, feeling your feet step onto that soft grass and look up into that glorious sun above you, it's time to come back into your body now. But you know that you can take this healing with you and you can come back here anytime. So start to become aware of your breath once again and how it feels as it goes in through your nostrils and comes out through your mouth. And you become aware of the support below you. wriggle your fingers and your toes just start to come back into your body and very very gently and in your own time come back into the space like where am I <laughs> wow that was beautiful that was really powerful I feel really weird right now <laughs> it's like okay I need to ground so I'm lifting my toes and how do you normally ground after something like that do you have a bit of a process what do you do yeah, it's actually um, a grounding process my Reiki teacher taught me and it's a very common um, Reiki practice in that it's great to go out and be you know barefoot on the grass, but if you can't, then it's literally finding the surface closest to you and placing your feet on that surface and then imagining that you've got these beautiful tree roots that are growing out of the bottom of your feet. And from there, they're going deeper and deeper into the earth. They're twisting and turning and they're grounding you. They're anchoring you into the earth below you. And you can feel that lower half of your body just completely connected between yourself and the earth. And then it starts to connect up through the rest of your body and then eventually connecting up to source. Wow. Is it normal to feel a little bit airy fairy and a bit tingly and kind of weird after that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm really glad so... we have a full conversation to have now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was so uh, powerful. Thank you so much. It's interesting because oh, I know no that everyone would have a different experience, you know, within that. And I love how you kind of, you know, you it's almost like this whole theater of the mind, you took us into this different world and then you gave us the freedom and the flexibility to really find our own way in our own space in there. And, you know, during my kind of exploration, I ended up sitting with one of my power animals, which is this big, beautiful brown mother bear. And I like sat with her and that was really awesome. And then I got up and I swam oh, wow. in this crystal water and it was so cool. And, you know, like you were saying sort of at the end of it, that if you want to go and repeat that, you know, that you can come back to it at any time. And I would imagine that the experience is always a bit different, even if you're listening to a recording. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be, and that's wonderful that you said that your power animal came in to visit because mm. um, I actually do work with animal spirit as well. So, and generally that's sort of, I pull out my animal spirit cards and pull out who's sort of needed for that particular journey. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I always encourage people to, um, you know, we have these green spaces, all these peaceful places that we have in our real life. We also need to have that in our mind as well. So we need to be able, when we are meditating, to be able to go to that place where we do sort of find that peace and calm. It's just ours. Yeah. It's kind of like this private little world that you exist in. And I know that I shared that my power out animal came and stuff like that, but you know, very often, I think that's one of the wonderful things about meditation and maybe you could even, you know, say that it's similar to the sound healing experience as well as it, it's really a personal kind of journey for you. So 
before we kind of kick off our conversation, um, all about sound healing, how you got into it, mm -hmm. plant medicine, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> or plants, plant heal, uh, sound plant healing. No, what, what's the proper terminology there? Plant music. Yep. Plant music. <laughs> um, I guess it is plant medicine as well, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I really Absolutely. would love to know a little bit about what instruments you did play there in our meditation. Maybe you could just share that with us and then uh, we'll get into the, the conversation as well. Perfect. You would have heard that I was, we're also listening to my Bird of Paradise just behind me there. Um, so that was the plant music that we're hearing as we were dropping in. And so um, I'll go into that in a little bit, but I'll go through the, some of the instruments as well. And so you would have heard um, initially it would have been a singing bowl. So some of that um, in there as well. So this particular singing bowl, um, I actually take it on my hikes because it's quite light, which is nice. Oh, wow. um, so this is a machine made singing bowl. Um, and most singing bowls these days tend to be imported from Nepal. Um, originally you might hear the terminology Tibetan singing bowl, um, but the traditional Tibetan singing bowls um, are usually made in the full moon and they're actually hand beaten and attuned to a particular frequency. So they're really, really incredible. Um, but this particular one I take out because it's nice and light because <laughs> I don't have too much in my backpack. Um, I also play the uh, Native American flute. And so this one is um, tuned to the key of C, but it's also tuned to the frequency of 425 megahertz, which is pretty much the primo megahertz that you want for reducing anxiety, for bringing on calm. It's a really amazing frequency. So I played that one there as well. You also may have heard me playing a little bit of, um, a lot of people refer to this as a finger piano. It's actually called a kalimba. And this comes from African origins. So um, often you'll see them like traditional ones maybe made out of maybe a shell or a coconut and things like that. And they'll sort of have these printed on the top, not printed, placed on the top. Mm. And these can be in varying different sizes. Would have heard a bit of percussion, a bit of shaking. So, and also the Koshi chime at the end. And uh, that's also to the element of fire. So a lot of these instruments will have also be attuned to different elements as well. So say for instance, the flute is the element of air. That would have been element of fire. When I use medicine drum, that's also the element of earth and uh, rattles are the element of water. So I try and um, as much as I can work through the different elements whilst going through different healings as well. And uh, with the plant music itself, um, did you want me to take you through yeah, sure. um, the ins and outs and how that works? Yeah, why don't and we do that? Sure. So, um, let's see here, I've got a little clip that actually clips onto the leaf. And then there's also this, um, so this is copper metal that I put in that's down near the roots and that's connecting in. And so this one here looks like an old school iPod, <laughs> which I love. Um, and so these are created by an organization in Italy. They've been making them for a really long time. And what it actually does is it picks up on the electromagnetic frequencies that this plant is always emitting. And you, they use that in order to communicate. And so what it's actually doing is picking up on these electromagnetic frequencies and translating them into sound. And so using that particular device, I can manipulate the different sounds because it would be a bit weird if a plant could sing in meditation music. Um, so what I actually do is I can change that through there. But because the sounds that you could hear are actually a little bit uneven, so it will sort of be a little bit quiet, then a bit louder, then a bit quiet. That's actually just the frequencies that are coming from the plant. So you're actually getting to hear the plant sing. Mm, that's so cool. Which and it's different cool. every time as well. Yep. Absolutely. So I was out hiking yesterday, actually, um, and I was sitting with a plant and often I like to record those little sessions. Um, and uh, this often you'll find that different plants out on the hiking trails will be um, quite happy to have a bit of a sing song. And then sometimes they might um, be a little bit quiet. So this one yesterday was being a bit quiet. So I was needing to sort of touch its leaf. They seem to like that. I'm not sure why. Um, and when I would touch its leaf, it would sort of get a little bit more noisier. So <laughs> that's so good. I will, I have to just admit to you and our listener at home that I do feel a little bit, um, 
tingly in my brain. I, it's like, it's as though I can't find my words <laughs> properly for a minute. So I'm definitely, you know, working on the grounding technique. So, you know, just to apologize in case my questions aren't as fluid as normal, is that kind of a normal reaction that people do have after a session like that? I mean, it seems to me that are you moving a lot of energy within the listener? I mean, what's, can you kind of explain a little bit about what might be happening to me at the moment? Maybe our listener at home is feeling this too. Yeah. So um, often, so I mentioned before, a lot of these instruments are attuned to different frequencies and these are going to affect us in different ways. And it's always a very individual reaction that we're going to be having to either meditation or sound healing or a combination of the both. Um, and so what's actually happening when we are experiencing sound healing is that some people just may experience lots of relaxation and just lots of just being able to drop in. And other people may also experience what we call energetic shifts. And so all of the instruments not only are tuned to frequencies, but they're also tuned to different chakras. And so if you don't work with chakras, um, so these are all basically energetic points within our body and so they're going to be up here so this is up here in the third eye about the heart chakra i've got the solar plexus at the stomach um i've noticed over um pandemic times um that the solar plexus chakra is always um very uh how do i put it it's Back. very activated unfortunately <laughs> yep <laughs> very much so in everyone um and so what it's actually doing is that um when we're experiencing the sound healing we may feel with different instruments, for instance, we may feel often with the Koshi Chime, people just go, oh, that's nice and chill. Mm -hmm. That's why I always finish with that. But um, we may find that, say, like a flute or a rain stick or a rattle may activate a different chakra and it may make us go a bit, oh, that's interesting. I'm getting a little bit of a different reaction to that one. Mm -hmm. All it's doing is just shifting energy. So sometimes it can get a bit stagnant within our different chakras. And it's just a case the energy is just working through. And so we may have different... Um, reactions so some people may find that um you know if there's a big energetic shift they might get a little bit of nausea like might be like oh for a couple seconds they're like oh i'm feeling a little bit nauseous with that one um or it could be that they might shake a little bit because it's more just the energy just flowing through our bodies or as you mentioned sort of that tingling feeling as well so yeah. um and just sort of feeling a bit very very zen and uh, these are not bad things they are if it keeps going so it's always important to look take care of yourself after a um, healing but it's all just basically the body reacting and so our bodies and our minds are 100% connected when it comes to healing and um, how they interact. And so we're just shifting energy through us. Mm, beautiful. When did you sort of start to realize that sound had a power to heal? I mean, I kind of read at the beginning of uh, when I was reading your bio that, you know, you've used sound and healing to work through trauma. When did you kind of realize that that was you know, available for you? Or were you able to kind of work through uncomfortable things in your life through your, you know, your work as a singer songwriter? Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because I um, started performing at 15. As you mentioned before, maybe you've started sneaking into a few bars at 16 when I was doing um, my singer songwriting work. Um, moved to London and then just kept sort of doing gigs and so forth and then came back here and uh, that was sort of my life for quite some time. Um, I hadn't really experienced um, music as I didn't, hadn't really thought about it as a healing thing. Um, but honestly, I think that was already happening then. I think that I was writing songs about my life, about how I was feeling, communicating that with um, members of the audience and the audience would speak to you, speak to me after and um, go, oh, I really connected with your words. And, um, that always gave me a little bit of a thrill because I was like, oh, that's amazing that I was able to connect with someone through that. And then I was, um, working uh so when i left the corporate world um i was uh working as a mental health practitioner family violence specialist i was training it it was all it was very all-consuming and i wasn't really doing much music at that point um it was more just really focusing on the work at, that was at hand but coming out of that i really needed to reconnect it was a really big shift in my life and that accompanied with my uh, marriage ending and I started to sort of almost connect back in with my spiritual self and through that process that was in 2019 and sort of really connecting in with that I just started going to sound bars I think I'd experienced one and just kept going and I just started to find that um, 
it was just so healing to be able to connect in with myself, the different instruments, the healing that I would feel afterwards. I think it almost as if the journey kind of walked me rather than me sort of creating the journey in that started to um, think about uh, how I could incorporate this more into my life. So sort of burst my drum. That's what they call when you actually make your own um, medicine drum. And then from there, I just sort of started. I bought my first flute started to buy some chimes, um, started to do some workshops, started to learn more and more about um, this magical process. And then it just sort of started to happen rather than me driving it. It just sort of yeah, continued to happen in that way. So I think that sometimes happens on the spiritual path as well, where you, you know, you're introduced to new things or you meet people along the way. Is that sort of, you know, have you always been on the spiritual path or did you kind of have to go through something to sort of find it? I think uh, I've always been very spiritual, even as a kid. Um, I started reading tarot when I was 15 and sort of um, had already been on the journey and I've kind of gone in and out, in and out over the years. But I think it was that big part of leaving the social work sector um my marriage ending and then it's almost as if snap it everything just fell into place and it was like yep this spiritual awakening is happening now and it was has you know many dark nights of the soul and um lots of work to go through as well but uh it was um it's almost as if it was happening and i couldn't do a lot to stop it (laughs) so but it's all got very very good things attached to that yeah well it's great to see you in the place that you are now and i think that you know kind of like you were talking about the dark night of the soul is awful, but at the same time, it's very often a liberation and very often brings us back into the light, helping us to reconnect with our divine purpose and who we truly are. And so it's interesting to see, you know, your kind of journey and your progression, but the consistent thing, it seems to me has always been music and sound. I guess one of the things that I love about speaking with people on this on this podcast is really about everyone sort of finding their own truth and their own their own pathway so are other people doing similar things to you or do you find that you know your practice is really unique to yourself and that over time you've kind of taken bits and pieces and different influences to really create your own style yeah i think um It's wonderful to see out there how many sound healers sort of have their own unique take on the healing modality Um, and that I guess my unique take on it is being able to combine it with ecotherapy and um, really bring the plant music into the space, Mm -hmm. take people into those green spaces whether we're literally out on the trail or in a yoga studio. In regards to, I guess, combining all of those to me it just sort of made sense at the time mm-hmm. I must have been out on the trail when I thought of it I don't actually know that particular moment when it happened <laughs> it just started to come together so in order to really bring all of those things at once and that it's so healing to be out and amongst that big sky and all the trees and the smells and just that feeling of freedom when you're outdoors and sort of to bring the sound into that to me it just made sense because those two things it just helped me so much in my own healing journey to bring them together. Beautiful. So one of the things that you did mention in the, um, that you used in the guided meditation was the use of the different elements or at least instruments that sort of reflected the different elements. You did mention fire, earth, water, and air. I'm just sort of wondering, you know, what part do the elements play in your life and I, I did read a book one time and the, the author basically said that you need to have a combination of all the elements to have a successful life. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm going with this. Do you feel that, you know, you do need to have that balance of all those elements and do you make an intention to incorporate that in the work that you do and the meditations that you do and maybe even in, in your life on a regular basis? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, they're almost very grounding when you start to think about the different elements in that we know that they're around us all the time. As I mentioned before, a lot of these instruments are actually attuned to the different elements as well in that um, and sort of being able to combine them into a healing itself almost brings around a sense of completion 
And if we can actually have that combination, it means that we're looking at different aspects of our lives and making sure that we're getting our grounding, we're getting our, um, we're looking into our spirituality, we're making sure that we're fulfilled intellectually, we're making sure that we've socially got everyone around us. So sort of, and I'm sort of moving more into more of a therapeutic um, perspective on that one, that I sort of like to think about it as almost if they're kind of in a bit of a circle. And we're making sure that we're getting that um, combination of all of those things in our lives. So you mentioned as well, the chakras, and I know you mentioned a a couple of them. So did you kind of study up on the chakras, uh, you know, in order to kind of incorporate those particular sounds or frequencies into the work that you do? And do you mind going through a little bit about all the different chakras, uh, and you know, kind of what they're for, why it would be important to tune them up. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with chakras, it's something that you learn when learning Reiki because they're a huge and very, very important part of um, Reiki practice. They're also a big part of sound healing practice as well. What we basically, so the main chakras, we've got a whole lot of them, but the main ones that we do look at is, so I'll start with, so the root chakra, is really starting down near sort of our hip area. That's the one that's red. And actually, I have a chart behind me that is being blocked by the plant. And so this one down here, that being the root chakra, that's where we hold a lot of our fear. We hold a lot of, uh, that's where our sort of reproductive parts are. So it's sort of being that, um, that sort of, and being the root chakra and that sort of being one of its names or sort of you will hear that different chakras have different names so in yoga practice they'll go through different names as well so i'm going to use the really the most well-known name so i'll go through that as well so being the root chakra it's where we hold a lot of our fear it's what really drives us it's that really primal part and then we sort of go up just a little bit and that's up to what we call the base chakra so that's sitting just above the root chakra and that's really sitting again we're sort of still sitting in that um it's very much still connected to the um root chakra in that we're sort of still looking at those things that are really basic for us so it's um the fear anxiety things like that things that really ground us things that we really really need so when you look at say maslow's hierarchy of need and that you know we need food shelter connection that's sort of that's the basic stuff that we need i sort of always connect that sort of probably connecting therapy into the chakras. And then we start to move up to the one I mentioned before. So the solar plexus chakra, and that's the yellow one that sits within our solar plexus. So just above our stomach. And that one is yellow. It really sits where a lot of anxiety is. So as mentioned as well, that that's the one that's been very much activated during pandemic times. And I noticed that that comes up a lot when doing healings. And then we move up to the green chakra, so that's the heart chakra, and that often will be affected if we've had heartbreak and if we've had sort of any emotional issues, and particularly that will sort of also be affected if our solar plexus is um, going off as well. So again, they're all very much connected to each other. Then we go up to the throat chakra, so this one is blue, and uh, this will be around being able to speak out be who we are, being able to liberate our voice. It'll also be, so this is a really important one here. If you're sort of ever feeling stuck in what you need to say, then it's really thinking about your throat chakra. And then moving up to, of course, your third eye, which is just here. So that's a lovely indigo color. And that's really thinking about spirituality and connection within ourselves and with people around us. And then, of course, your crown chakra, which sits right up the top here. And often that gets quite tingly if you're doing some pretty intense meditation. Um, And so that one is your connection to source. Yep. Most likely your crown chakra was activated very much so. So yeah, so that's a particular one that's your connection to source. Is the crown chakra for you a purple or is it like a combination of all the colors? Crown chakra for me is probably more sitting in the white area. So, but up there it sits, I'm just literally referring to my chart, that sort of sits as a bit of a purple, a purple shade. Yeah. But I guess what's cool too, like you were just saying there is we all have our own interpretations about things as well. It's really about how we kind of see the world and we find our own truth. So if you see it more white and I see it more purple, neither of us are wrong. It's just our truth. And that's, 
That's important. So, so if somebody comes to you and they're going, girl, I've got a lot of anxiety, then do you go, all right, I'm going to play the, um, the frequency of the (laughs) solar plexus. (laughs) Is that kind of how it works? Or do you think that you need to have a combination of all of them because you wouldn't want any one to be more aligned than another, for example? Yeah, absolutely. It's always looking at um, the combination because someone might be feeling anxiety, but where is that anxiety coming from? And so this is where I sort of put a little bit of my, obviously I don't work as a trauma therapist if I am working with a sound healing client because they're two different things, um, but I will put a little bit of my trauma hat on. So, um, and sort of looking at, particularly say if the solar plexus is out, that means that the base chakra and the root chakra are also not in great shape. So we need to work on all of them. So, and often if, say, if you find the heart chakras out, it means that throat and third eye and crown may not be in a great shape either. So it's making sure that they're all attuned to each other and um, making sure that uh, obviously um, then I would sort of definitely be looking at flutes and I'll be looking at, I also use chakra chimes. So these are chakra chimes that I put um, actually on body. And so oh. they're all attuned to the different chakras and um, it can be, uh, I do that for one-on-ones um, and uh, these chakra chimes actually, um, when they're actually placed on your body, on your different chakras, it makes people go, oh, that same feeling when you were mentioning before, people kind of wake up and go, oh, I don't know where I am. Yeah. This is, <laughs> I don't know what's going on um, because they're so powerful because that particular chime literally just cuts straight through to the chakra. And yeah, so basically I'd be looking at what might be happening for them or I might just literally be looking at the different energy and just going, okay, let's make sure that everything's nice and balanced and working together. You find that that's something people neglect quite a lot, that they might be doing meditation, but they're forgetting to clean up and, and tune, tune, maybe it's not even the right word, but I guess clean up their chakras, get them to an optimal sort of state. Yeah, look, it can be a difficult thing to do on your own. Um, I always recommend going to a healer. Uh, Like I go to a healer myself um, to be able and I sort of go, oh, my chakras are definitely out. And if I can't do the work myself, then I'll book an appointment and get a tune up. And um, I think that this is an important thing in regards to healing and that sometimes when we are using meditation, we're using, um, we might be listening to sound healing, all those types of great things that we can be doing for ourselves at home. Sometimes we do need to reach out to a professional and actually go, yep, I need a tune up. There's something not quite right. Um, I feel like there's some stagnant energy. Um, And uh, yeah, I think it can be a really, really helpful thing if someone's going through a healing journey. So I'd like to talk to you now a little bit about forest bathing and, um, you know, sort of the work that you do with mother earth. So before we get into that, I'm really interested in finding out, and I know our listener at home is like, when am I going to ask this question? So when did you first find out that plants could sing and fashion this device (laughs) to them and, you know, start to create plant music? I mean, how did that happen? (laughs) I had never heard of it. Um, I was, I think it was at the end of um 2019 i think and i was um up in uh or potentially it would have been yeah i can't remember exactly what it was now these pandemic years kind of keep moving into each other i was up in a little town called warburton which is up in just about an hour and a half outside of melbourne and i was at this beautiful healing center and i was getting a massage and it was lovely and i could hear this music and i was telling the practitioner what i do so i was talking to her about my sound medicine hikes and she goes you know, the music we're listening to is plant music. Yeah. That this is a plant singing. And I went, shut the front door. That is not a thing. And, um, yeah, she showed me afterwards and showed me this beautiful plant who was just, just putting all these beautiful tunes. And, um, it's almost as if a piece of the puzzle fell into place. Cause I thought that being able to go out with people onto the trail, talk to them about forest bathing, talk about connection to the earth. Um, and also bringing in the sound healing elements, this makes everything fall into place. Because what I find that plant music does is that it connects us in and it reminds us that these um, beings around us, while they may not be like, you know, pets at home that are, you know, moving around and um, communicating, they are actually living beings. And for me, it just, um, everything, yeah, fell into place when I saw that device and I went, I've got to get me one of those. So... Yeah, that's so beautiful. We got to do a little bit of a sound check before I hit record here. And 
I know that when I listened to it, I just was completely fascinated. It was as though there's this whole world around me that I didn't know, you know, even existed. It really kind of changes the way that I even look at the forest or even the plant that's sitting beside me here as I speak with you, that there's this whole intricate world that I'm not even privy to. I just think it's a pretty green plant and I like it, but there's this whole <laughs> other level going on. Absolutely. In that, um, and it's fascinating the more and more that I read about it sort of, and you would have noticed in the meditation that I talked about how the roots are all connected and how f trees are actually families and their communities. And even going further than that, they've got um, the root systems of all the fungi, which means that trees that could be kilometers apart are actually connected and they can talk to each other. And that you've got the grandfather trees and the grandmother trees that are just taking care of the whole space. And, you know, they're cleaning our air and we know that, but they're also, um, there's so much more going on that we're not even aware of. So let's talk about forest bathing, because when you're talking about, you know, grandfather trees, grandmother trees, getting out in nature, you know, kind of getting aware of the environment around you, is that what forest bathing is? Is it kind of taking in the environment or do you also incorporate the elements somehow or you know how do you sort of describe forest bathing yeah you know absolutely right it's really being immersed in the green space um so a lot of this works so we've essentially as human beings we've been forest bathing for millennia and we do it when when even we're not aware of it the term forest bathing is actually based on um, the Japanese word Shinrin Yoku. And so that was coined by uh, Dr. King Lee in Japan. And that was in 1984, I think. And what he basically did was, um, so he's a doctor by trade. And he started to think about how humans react in nature and how we feel so much better when we are actually out in those green spaces. And of course, as we know, Japan has incredible forests and trees yes. and so forth. So he yes. had a lot at his disposal. And he started taking out, you can just imagine these groups of stressed out Japanese men in the 80s going out into these forests. And he was doing experiments. So he was checking their anxiety levels before going in, checking them when he went out. And he was also looking at all the different parts of the forest. So looking at what we can see, what we can hear, what we can touch and what we can taste. And that obviously works. I don't recommend that in Australian bush because it's a bit of a risk. Um, but uh, he was looking at opening up all of the different senses, being really, really present. And he said that if someone is out in a green space with no technology and is you literally being so present, they're opening up all of their senses, they just need two hours and their anxiety levels will drop. Wow. And that's what the, he came through to. He's done a lot of experimentations. He also experimented with burning essential oils of um, different tree smells indoors. And he noticed, again, a drop in anxiety, boosts an immune system and so forth. So a lot of what modern forest, forest bathing is, is really based on Dr. King Lee's work. That's so cool. Even when you were talking earlier, when I was saying to you, girl, how do I ground, you know, and, you know, going out and putting your feet on the earth. I mean, I have heard also people, like you said, just going and spending time in, in nature or going. And one of my friends was telling me about how, if you actually go on the earth and you kind of bounce a little bit, that it really helps to oh. sort of ground you in that way as well. So do you think that people, you know, never really, or that in general, it's not kind of talked about that mother earth is also an opportunity for us to ground and heal and come into ourselves. I mean, it just seems like if you're not spiritual, you might not really realize why you feel so refreshed and so fantastic after. Absolutely. So I think that somewhere along the way we've as humans well some of us some of us are very connected with mother earth we've kind of forgotten that our connection to earth and that and this is something i talk quite a bit about in my workshops and that we are not a different part we are a part of the earth we're a part of the ecosystem we're not above it um sort of there is no sort of food chain as we sort of would put it in that way in that and if we can consider ourselves as a part of it so when we're sitting within a green space we're like no i'm a part of this community of trees now this is um where i am this is where i'm connected to 
and the and just sort of I guess kind of changing our perspective of that um, you know I'm in my um, you know this is a place that I own or this is a place that I can control it's more that we're in this place that uh, is always accepting of us mm. and sort of yeah changing our perspective in that regard mm. yeah it is like a safe space where you can just be who you are and I know that you know I always feel better after I've been you know out in nature so you know, not everybody lives in an area where they are able to connect with earth or where they're able to maybe bathe in the forest. Uh, so I was just kind of wondering, you know, you did kind of mention, or I did mention off the top in your bio that you do help people to sort of bring that experience to them in an inside sort of venue. So do you have some tips and tricks for how to connect with mother earth? You did mention there um, essential oils. I can see the plants behind you. Are those some ways to get started? Yeah, absolutely. So bringing forest bathing indoors is really about maybe having some plants. If you don't have access to plants, maybe even just bringing some flowers indoors can be really helpful. Um, and uh, also get yeah, burning those essential oils. So whichever particular natural oils that you might be more attuned to. I myself, I love to burn eucalyptus. I feel like it really connects me in with the bush and when I'm out hiking and that's on those days when it's pouring with rain or I just, you know, I might have an injury. I can't get out there, things like that. Um, and just sitting in there and you might even want to touch the plant or you might just want to um, meditate as though you're in a natural space like we did earlier and being able to open up all of those senses when we're indoors and a lot of this um actually uh came from lockdown where i sort of started mm -hmm. to sort of bring all of that indoors in that um obviously a lot of us in melbourne lockdown in particular couldn't get out to all of our usual green spaces or maybe the bigger trails or the bush itself i was lucky enough that i had a particular reserve within five kilometers but unfortunately there were a lot of people out there who didn't and a way to kind of connect in was I was using a lot of Dr. Kingley's work and sort of hit that he burnt the oils and so forth and bought all of that indoors. Um, and that's kind of where almost like the virtual forest bathing came from. So I started to run workshops online. So got everyone on Zoom and started to use um, a lot of the different instruments to be able to bring people into that natural space and go on a journey. And that's where I started to work with using the imagination to actually connect in with the different um, senses and then with the different landscapes and then bringing animal spirit in as well. Oh, beautiful. So you did mention power animals and animal spirits. So just before we sort of wrap up, can you talk to me a little bit about your work through animals? Does everybody have a power animal or do they have maybe even more than one? I think everyone has access to one. It's whether or not they sort of want to delve in there and um, find out who that animal is. I would recommend learning about shamanic journeying if that's something that people feel attuned to do. And through learning about shamanic journeying, particularly with the work of Sandra Ingerman, I think that that's a really powerful journey as well. It really enhances meditation. And when I work with animal spirit in these places, because again, we're working with natural landscapes. And yeah. so I have a deck of animal spirit cards and I will tune into the group that I'm working with that say, for instance, it'll be later that night, or maybe I'm working with a client who's coming in at some point that day. And I'll go, what does this group of people need? Or what does this client need? And I'll pull out the cards and say, for instance, um, I did a workshop on Friday night, just gone. I ended up pulling out like rhinoceros, cow spirit, um, as well as grasshopper, wombat. Um, and I went, okay, cool. This is the one, this is the spirits they're going to meet on their journey. So sometimes it can be a little bit um, interesting when trying to incorporate some of those animals in. <laughs> um, but uh, they're sort of, yeah, they're the spirits that have popped up that journey so I make sure that they're incorporated so interesting I have heard before too people you know kind of having a an animal as sort of an omen or a bit of a almost like a guide along their journey so remember I was listening to a conversation with Gabby Bernstein and she was talking about how she was looking for a sign from an owl and so she saw like a card with an owl on it and it kind of gave her an indicator she was in the right place at the right time do you sort of use you know, your power animals uh, as, you know, maybe your little markers to show you that you're along the right way, you're walking along the right way. Absolutely. So I myself, I'm always looking out for eagle. So whether I see them when I'm hiking, 
um, or whether yeah, they're coming up in cards or maybe they're coming up in other ways as well. Um, I think there's often animals that will be very connected to. There might also be that will, um, in say a shamanic world, we'll have um, our actual power animals that we've seen as we journey. Um, but uh, yeah, always on the lookout. And if I see that, then I'm like, cool, I'm on the right path. Beautiful. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Catherine. If people are interested in connecting with you, if they want to have a session, if they want to partake in uh, some more sound healing, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I do um, my sound healings as uh, face-to-face as well as online. And at the moment, my workshops are running um, as uh, face-to-face, but I'll also bring that online as well soon. Um, so they can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Dare to Change Therapies and also my website, daretochangetherapies.com.au. And always happy for people to reach out and just ask questions or have a chat if they want to know a bit more about it. And um, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. I'll put a link to all that in the show notes as well. And uh, thank you so much for, you know, your time today and for uh, your gift at the very beginning as well. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been great. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.